guys. Welcome to episode three of the Caranel Lifestyle Podcast. It's me, Carrington. And Nathaniel. This week's episode, we're going to be talking to Allison Maggard. She's a local film photographer here in Lexington. And we're really excited to learn more about her. Before we get started, let's give a shout out to Pops Resale. It is a vintage store here in Lexington. They have vinyl records, vintage clothing, old school video games, and they have cool retro stuff that's definitely worthy of checking out. My name is Allison Maggard, and I am a photographer in Lexington, Kentucky. And where are you from, and where did you go to college? I'm from Lexington. I grew up here, and I went to college at EKU. Did you like going to EKU? I did. I liked kind of that it was further away from where I had grown up and lots of access to outdoor adventure stuff, so that really kind of gave me an intro to being outside. And what did you major there? I actually majored in occupational therapy. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Mm-hmm, I know. You get into occupational therapy. Um, I actually tore my ACL when I was in high school, and I did physical therapy. And I was like, I want to do something in the related service health field, so I did OT. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. How did you get from OT to photography? Like, that's a big jump in it my is. mind. I actually still do OT, but like nobody uh, knows. Oh, okay. I, no, I know it's like photography because it has so much of a social media presence, like. Everyone forgets that on the, you know, I'm not that I'm on the side, I'm an OT, but that that's a profession that I also do. So yeah. it's kind of fun to have both, though. That's cool. Yeah. That is cool. And speaking of how, like, Instagram kind of, like, promotes, like, yeah. your photography more, it says that you do, like, first-hand adventures and second-hand yeah. frames. Yeah. Could you, like, talk about the adventures that you've captured and also what are second-hand Second-hand frames, frames yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, really, any adventure. Um, I go to the Gorge a lot, but also I love to travel um, abroad and more recently after COVID, just kind of in the United States. So that's kind of any adventure that I go out where I'm in nature is kind of something I might capture and then print. And then a second-hand frame is something that is usually – something I've thrifted but a lot of the times because I've gotten into it friends will give me frames so I consider those secondhand as well um, some of them are vintage frames but I don't necessarily say that just because um, you know I can't I don't have a ton of ways to verify that it's vintage so a lot of the times I just say it's secondhand it's pre-loved and I go back and I clean them up and make sure that they'll uh, be brand new as they can be for you that's really cool. What's the process of like kind of refurbishing yeah. hand frame? Yeah. Um, so most of the time there's hardware on the back. And so you use whatever tools you need to take the hardware off. And then usually there's like funds, like people like to stack lots of random prints in the back because they'll just overlay. So you find lots of random things in the back. And then you'll take it out and just put your print in and then clean the glass is really the biggest part. If you can clean under the glass, it's good to go. And I've, I've broken a few pieces of glass. And so if you do that, you can order a new piece really easily and really cheaply. And so that's a good way, too. If you find a picture frame and you love the frame, it doesn't have the glass or it's broken, you can just order a new piece of glass. Have yeah. you found anything really interesting in the back of a picture frame before? Yes, I found, you know what an oyster cracker is? Yeah. It's like for soup. I found like a vintage poster for these oyster crackers in the back what? of one. I know I was That's like, awesome. I know I was like, I feel like I should keep this because <laughs> it's so random. But no, nothing other than that. I did find like a cool ship print one time, so that was really cool. I just like gave it. I like post them sometimes. I'm like, who wants this? Because you know, I just I don't traditionally keep them, but so some people get the the goodies that are in the back of the frame. 
Do you prefer to shoot film or digital photography more? I definitely prefer film, but um, a lot of the projects that I work on, sometimes it's easier to have digital as the main medium and then pull in film as this kind of fun secondary thing just because there's so many variables with film and especially some of the cameras I use have light leaks, so I can't always guarantee that every image is going to come out. And so if someone really needs a specific image, I like to kind of have film as this secondary thing. Could you explain light leaks? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, Okay. So uh, in a camera, you have film, and so it's light sensitive. And if your camera has, like, a crack in the side or maybe it's not closed all the way, here, I'll open this one so you can see. So if you see, like, that maybe the light is peeling in or poking in through the side here, then it's going to create this kind of naturally blue or yellow or red hue onto your print when you develop it. And so it's, uh, you know, at at the time that film was developed, that was kind of seen as like a flaw. They'd be like, oh, got a light leak. But now they're these beautiful and kind of trendy things to have in your pictures. So yeah, that's, uh, that's what that is. That's awesome. Yeah. And what makes film photography more desirable than digital, like a, using a digital camera? Yeah, I think one is you're so intentional about your shots. Usually each roll has like 24 shots. And so you're super intentional about what you're taking a picture of. And then also on top of that, I just love the way that it looks like it already has that natural grain to it. It's already got the muted colors. It's softer. And it's a surprise. Like I don't develop my film a lot of times until months later. And I'm like, I forgot I even went there. That's that person, you know, so it's really fun. And kind of that delayed gratification is fun. Yeah. What is your favorite film camera to shoot with? Um, I really like, I have a Canon AE-1. I really like that for like when I really need consistent colors and the images to come out. Um, I have this Pentax that I brought um, and I really like that one if I just want weird stuff to happen because this one, it's older and I bought it, thrifted it for like $20. So sometimes it'll do really weird things and I actually really like how it turns out. It'll put a lot of light leaks in and then on top of that, it will put these weird kind of black lines on the side where the picture isn't maybe aligned with the film um, as it's like taking a picture. So it's kind of fun to get that extra little tidbit in there. That's cool. How did you thrift your camera? Did you just like come across it randomly? Yeah, I did. It was at Salvation Army. Oh, yeah. That's really cool. Uh, yeah, it was $20. This one right here is $20 in Salvation Army. That's a great find. I know. <laughs> and I will say the light meter does not work. So I've, most a lot of film cameras will have a light meter to tell you like what it's going to like if you need to adjust some of the settings to make sure your print's going to turn out. And so this one didn't work. So I definitely was like totally taking some chances, but I downloaded an app where I could use a light meter. So I was like holding the phone up and then taking a picture with the camera, um, which is kind of funny, right? I could have just taken it with my phone, but. Besides the brands you kind of went over, are there any other good film camera brands for like anybody who's interested in getting into it? Yeah. um, Fujifilm, Kodak, Pentax are the three that I would say, like if you find them, they're probably still in good condition because they um, probably have lasted the test of time, but they're they're really popular, so you probably would be able to find one really easily, especially Canon. I feel like I see a lot of those when I'm shopping around secondhand. What film format do you shoot on, and could you describe the different formats a little bit? Yeah, so I shoot on 35 millimeter, 
And so there's lots of different formats. There's like large format, there's slide film. And so there's lots of different ways that you can take an image, but kind of the go-to in the photographer world and like kind of the thing that if people wanted to get started with, the easiest thing would be 35 millimeter. And what is your process for taking pictures? Do you like camera, carry a camera around with you everywhere? I do not. I used to when I was younger. I used to when I was younger. And now that I've gotten a little bit older, I kind of just break it out where if I think something's going to be cool to photograph. And so I'll take it like if I'm going to go hiking, I'll throw it in my backpack, especially like a film camera is really lightweight. You only have 24 pictures. So you just pull it out kind of every now and then um, as long as you only have one roll for the trip. So I kind of just pull it out. If I'm like, oh, it's a party. I better take a camera. And what's the process of getting them developed? Yeah, so you can develop them if you have all the chemistry and if you have all the equipment and the materials. There's also send-away services where you can just take that roll, put it in an envelope, send it off to someone who will do it for you, and then give you your prints back and then some scans of those images. Do you, like, develop your prints yourself, or do you, like, send them away? I For color, I usually send away just because there's more chemistry involved. There's more steps. Um, for black and white, though, I'll traditionally develop that myself in my basement. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah. Did you talk about that? Yeah, yeah. Um, so there's a lot of different steps and a lot of different variables with it. But essentially, once you take your roll of film, you pull the film back into the canister, and then you have to go through a couple of steps to develop it. And so, you know, you got to go to like into a, like a light, no light room, use a bottle opener to pop it open, roll it in a little canister, put it in a tank. And then once it's in the tank, it's like you can come out and use their chemicals to develop it. And then you got to let it dry. And then after that, you'll get this film. And so it'll be like the negative of your image onto there. So you can kind of hold it up and see, oh, okay, great. Like I want to use these. And then once it dries, you can make prints from that. That's so cool. <laughs> I've always wondered, why do you ha- why does it have to be like a dark room? To oh, because everything's light sensitive. So like the science behind it is that the, when the light touches it, that's what's creating your image. So if you were to like put it in a, any light, it's just going to make that picture really all white or all black. So you would just get, you just wouldn't get an image because it's light sensitive. Interesting. Yeah, there's some science. There's a yeah. little science <laughs> happening. Is there a specific reason why a lot of dark rooms like have red light though in them? Yeah. So when you get to the process, like once you've developed your film and you're actually just making prints, you can't have a red light on as long as it's like, you know, like made for that process Um, and it won't impact your image. So you can, you don't have to do all those steps in the, in the total dark of like getting your paper out and getting the, getting it in the chemistry once you're doing actual prints. Yeah. I saw on your Instagram that you have prints up in the Lexington Writers Room. Yeah. Could you talk about the space and also like your collection up there and like how it got there? Yeah. And so I'm assuming it's a someone who writes there. Um, it's like a writer's room where you can rent space and then they will give you an area to do your writing in. And someone that must use that space reached out to me on Instagram just to say, hey, this uh, is looking for art. And this location's looking for art and would really love to have you put some stuff up. And so I just kind of came up with a few pieces to give to them and as a donation, just because they actually, their first, their previous building burnt down in a fire. Oh, wow. Yeah. So like they lost some pieces of art. And so I know I was like, oh my gosh, here's some art. Take it. Um, So yeah, kind of a crazy story that that happened, but their new space is beautiful. And so if you know any writers, you can definitely go there. I'm into poetry, so I'll definitely <gasps> yeah, look into it. Yeah, yeah you cool. should. It's a really cool space. There's the, and I think so many people have donated their time and art to kind of rebuild it. So it's been really cool to 
maybe see that and have that be a part of our community. Where is it at in Lexington? Where the old common grounds used to be. I know where that is. Yeah. I used to go there freshman Downtown. Year. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I wonder what that turned into. So that's yeah, really yeah, it's cool. the Lexington Writers Room. I know. I was like, what is that now? And then I realized I was like going there to drop off the art. I was like, oh, look, <laughs> that's what it is. So in the future, like, what do you see yourself doing with photography? Um, I think with photography, I have a lot of goals to display art around town and to open a community darkroom for people. Yeah. So um, a friend and I, Amanda, have plans to open a community darkroom that we're going to call Dark Magic. And um, hopefully, you know, we're throwing a fundraiser to kind of get some funds going for that now. And, you know, the business is, you know, started and in the state of Kentucky is, you know, real um so we just kind of have to get all the other puzzle pieces that go with that and so right now we're collecting donations i'm getting like an enlarger on tuesday from someone who's um grandpa you know wanted to pass it on and then we're collecting up some items and then we'll hopefully open that next year wow that sounds really cool yeah yeah yeah. is it gonna have like workshops there is it just gonna be like a space where people can go to develop their pictures to start it will just be a space that you can go to develop the pictures but if we can find someone to do workshops then we definitely will do that amanda and i are just a little bit busy so (laughs) to start we won't be able to do that but if we find someone so like if you know of anyone who wants to like do the workshop jam let us know no that's really cool yeah yeah do you have any film photographers that inspire you or just photographers in general? Yeah, my friend Josh Doss. Um, I grew up with him here and he moved away and uh, he, we still keep obviously in contact, but he's just like a total film purist. So like he only shoots film and I just think that that's really beautiful and he'll do these really cool things. He's like, I developed this one in orange juice. And I'm like, what? Orange juice? Yeah, what? I know. Cause it's acidic. Yeah. And, or like, he's like, I tried vinegar today. Like he just is totally doing some fun, fun, quirky things that I am not brave enough to do. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Ooh, orange juice. Like, I don't know. Did it turn out good? It did. Yeah. It, that's the thing. Oh. It was like, I was like, how'd you get that look? And he was like, orange juice. And I was like, what? <laughs> oh yeah, I know. Could you talk about any, like, specific adventures that you've gone on that you've captured a specific photo you really liked? Yeah. um, I just got back from Joshua Tree National Park. Yeah. And so um, I took a bunch of film images there, and that was really fun to get that back. And I kind of put it in a collection called Bringing the West Back, and then it hung up in Cup of Commonwealth Coffee, and I'm taking it down on Saturday. Oh, yeah. I heard that the West Coast is a really good place for, like, lighting specifically and specifically golden hour. Could you talk about that, too? Yeah. So golden hour is this kind of magic hour in the photography world where the light is just, like, pristine. It just captures really well. And the Pacific Northwest in that kind of area is just really known for that just magical golden hour. And I don't actually know if there's any science behind it or if it's just truly – I don't necessarily know that their golden hour is any better than – our golden hour but I think what's happening with the golden hour is you know it's like it's got a cactus or a redwood tree and you're like yeah that's beautiful (laughs) yeah how do you think Instagram has impacted photography in general that is such an interesting question because it's you know obviously Instagram is based around photos and so I think in one way it's really created a lot of opportunity for people to post their art to be seen to be able to sell art and for people who maybe we're never going to get into photography without Instagram to kind of take that opportunity and think about lighting and think about all of this, you know, because everyone, you know, is using images online for different things. 
Um, and so it's, but it also, I think is this really interesting thing where people are taking pictures strictly for the purpose of content versus art, um, which, you know, take it or leave it good or bad. It's a thing. Um, you know, and so a lot of the shoots I get hired for are, are not necessarily they're for content, you know, so that they can be posted on social media. Um, so that's kind of an interesting twist and, you know, they don't get printed anymore or, maybe not done for art. And so that's kind of an interesting twist as it's like so content centered. And then a lot of the times I think that strays from a more journalistic approach of like, I'm just here photographing the moment, you know, cause for a lot of my images, I'll just like put a self timer on, I'll put the camera in a spot and then I'll just like go have fun. And if it takes a picture that I like fabulous, if not, that's okay. And now I feel like there's just a lot of posing and there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's fabulous, but I also think that, you know, it's like, Oh, but you also should be in the moment. You're at the grand Canyon, like go. Yeah, I agree. I'm a journalism major. Yeah, yeah. And I'm taking a mobile journalism class, and our mm-hmm. teacher is always emphasizing how anybody can really just grab their phone now. Yeah. And, like, do photojournalism, which is kind of scary, but it is. I know. Cool mm-hmm. That's like time. a whole other time warp oh, kind yeah. of vibe. It's like the future of technology and all of that. But, mm-hmm. um, but I think there's some good. There's good things too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are, What are your thoughts on? editing pictures because I know like that can be a whole different art form itself Mm -hmm. yeah um I traditionally do not edit my film photos I traditionally uh leave those the same unless it's something that drives me personally absolutely bonkers Mm -hmm. like if it's someone's portrait and it's like a little crooked no one else probably will see but I'm like oh just gonna make that correction but I would never change the color and I wouldn't I, I would probably only just make it like if it was crooked and it was driving me crazy I'd be like, okay, well, I only took one of these, and so I'm just going to make it a little bit straighter. I've seen a lot of, like, film coming back into, like, the trend on yeah, TikTok yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh-huh. stuff. Could you talk about that? Because literally, my, like, for you page is, like, it's like full phones. of, like, yeah, film yeah, yeah. Yeah. And camera suggestions and, like, disposable yeah. cameras. Yes, it's crazy. And, and that is so interesting because, you know, for a long, long time, these were so cheap. People have them at yard sales, and they have just become, like, a hot commodity. Mm-hmm you know, like film camera sales and like costs have gone like through the roof. And you're like, what? Um, I'm sure if I post this, I was like, this will give you light leaks. People are like, oh my gosh. Um, so that's been really interesting to see it come back around, especially because I'm, I'm 31. So when I grew up, a lot of the times digital cameras were not accessible and not available. So like they might've been like invented and I put that in air quotes, but like, th- I don't think that my family had access to a digital camera. So it's been really interesting to see them come back and like cameras where I was like so excited as a young person to see like the thing, like the next thing come after it. Where I was like, wait, you want like a disposable camera? Like, I mean, I wanted that when I was 12, but it's crazy that that's like come back around and that's what people want now, you know, but also it's got a great style and I've seen people use it in really beautiful ways. It's just funny because I remember we were all like, oh, the digital camera when it came out, we we're like, we don't need these film cameras anymore. And now people are like, we don't want the digital camera. We want the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's crazy how things like come flip flop. They yeah. do. Yeah. And uh, this is like so off topic, but A twenty four. They're one of my favorite like film yeah, movie production yeah. companies, and they use a lot of like film. And yeah, and their, their cinematography yeah. is is beautiful. So you're like, mm-hmm. I get it. And I think that's party partially why it's come back is the color. It really is beautiful. Mm-hmm. The colors on it, you just can't are really, really hard to emulate. You know, the goal of digital cameras almost nowadays is to emulate film. Mm -hmm. They're like, how do we make it look like film? So some people are just like, 
I'll just shoot film. Well, I think Euphoria is a good example. Yeah, of yeah, yeah. Season one, it was not on film. And then season two, it's like so visually pleasing. Yeah, you're like, I'll just watch it. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. beautiful. Mm-hmm. Do you have any events coming up aside um, from the darkroom? Yeah, if you're over 21 on Halloween, for Halloween party purposes, we're hosting a fundraiser for the darkroom. So it'll be at Green Lantern. So you can gotta be over 21 to come. But if you are, you know, if your friends are, then you can definitely come to that and uh, help fundraise. It'll be $20 at the door. Thanks so. so much. Yeah. Thanks for listening to this week's episode, guys. Make sure to check out Jaya's second episode of her podcast, Read the Room, on Friday. Make sure to check out next week's episode. It'll be up on Sunday. It's Angie and Deuce talking about fashion. <laughs>